The time has come to upgrade your technology. At Harvey Norman, our specialist staff can help find the product that's right for you. We have all the biggest brands and latest technology in stock today, like the lightweight Samsung Galaxy Book Laptop with speedy Intel Core i5 processor. Now 649 euros save 120. Or get the DJI Action 2 dual screen combo camera. Durable enough for any adventure. Now 429 save 100 euro. Discover a huge range in store or online today. Harvey Norman, your technology specialists. Future Proof Extra from News Talk. Now, every day we are bombarded with sounds, but our brain deals with the cacophony of life so well that most of the time we don't even register them. But little do we know this engagement with sound leaves a fundamental imprint on who we are. So, what goes on in our brains when we hear a word, a chord, a meow, or a crash? Well, Dr. Nina Kraus is the director of the Auditory Neuroscience Lab, Brain Vaults, and author of, of Sound Mind how our brain constructs a meaningful sonic world. She joins me now. Nina, in the book, you talk about this sound mind. What exactly do you mean by it? So the sound mind engages how we hear the sounds and that in in turn engages how we think, how we feel, how we move, and how we combine information from other senses. So our sound mind is vast. It really engages enormous territories of our brain circuitry. Can you tell me what the efferent nervous system is? Yes. So we have pathways that go from our ear to the brain, and they are called afferent with an A. And then there are pathways that go downstairs from every part of our brain uh, to every other part of our brain, all the way down back down to the ear. And those are the efferent or efferent pathways. And uh, those are more massive as we become more evolutionarily evolved than the pathways that go upstairs. And it is through the efferent system that we sculpt sound and that we shape our response to sound based on what we learn. So we can learn, oh, this is the sound of Jonathan's voice. And this is because my efferent system has taken that information and put it together with other things that are already there. And now I know I have learned the efferent system is absolutely the secret sauce to learning. And um, I suppose there is a point um, as children that we shift from learning um, through seeing and touching to a, a mostly auditory form of learning that um, sound becomes a huge gateway to, to to education and um, to basically maturation. Um, is that something you can see in the brain when someone starts hearing? Does it, does it change um, how the brain is shaped or formed? Well, it changes how the brain responds to sound. So um, language, our language is, of course, it's deeply rooted in sound. And so is something like reading. You know, you have to be able to hear the sounds of the language first. So, um, you know, we can see developmentally that, you know, an infant will respond to all of the sounds of the world's languages, and then um, it becomes more tuned to the sounds that are important to the language that he or she speaks. And then as sound to meaning connections are made, and as in order to allow reading to happen, so in order for this developmental process to occur, the response to sound that can be measured changes. So 
I had never thought of this before, but are you saying that people who don't hear sound struggle to be able to read? That's right. Um, there is a very, very long history and a very tight link between hearing and reading. So mm. certainly it is possible to read without hearing, but for most of us, there is a very, very direct link there. And you know, it's been known for decades that children who have difficulty reading, some of them, the bottleneck is in processing certain sound ingredients on the mixing board. They are just not making sound to meaning connections with those details in sound. So their efferent system has, is not making these, these connections and that is impeding their ability to read. Is that some of the sort of work that you do uh, in the lab or, or maybe you might take me through some of the, the experiments and research that you, you undertake? Yes, indeed. So, you know, what, what we see is that there are certain ingredients in sound that are important for language and for reading. And these are especially the harmonics and certain aspects of timing and also FM sweeps, which are rapid changes in frequency over time. And these are what um, determine the difference between um, bad and dad. Uh, mm -hmm. So these are, are changes that happen very, very, very quickly. Um, simultaneously, this involves changes in, in harmonics and timing, in FM sweeps. And we can see that, in fact, we can even see early in a three-year-old if a three-year-old is having difficulty processing these ingredients, and we can see that with the brain waves, this is likely a kid who is going to struggle to learn to read later on. Wow. And, and, and we know this because we have looked at children who have reading and learning problems, and we can see that they have this particular neural signature of sound processing that is diminished. We are bombarded with sound, as I said in the intro, and this is something you cover in the book, the, the I suppose, unknown toll of just noise. And I have to say, I'm a cantankerous middle-aged man that when I go into a restaurant and the drinks fridge is making that awful humming noise, I, I'm often asked to be reseated, much to the surprise of the waiter, who's probably oblivious to it um, at that stage. I can't be around um, constant background noise that, you know, that isn't harmonious, you know, um, trucks idling and that sort of thing. It drives me up the wall, but it doesn't seem to affect other people so much. Do you think this sort of background uh, noise that we are constantly subjected to, do you think it is uh, is is as dangerous long term as as maybe hearing loss from from concerts and so on? Yes. In fact, I think it's it's arguably more dangerous. So I make a big point in the book. Um, I, I talk a lot about noise and the fact that there are two kinds of noise, the very loud sounds that will give you a hearing loss, but then the more always present, it seems in our world these days, moderate level sounds that will not injure your ear, but will in fact um, injure your, your brain in terms of being able to make sense of sound in order to be able to think, because again, the sound mind is, is so linked. In terms of stress, evolutionarily, we are so linked to listening to sounds for, you know, is this something to run away from, something to eat, something to mate with, uh, you know, very, this is a, a long evolutionary history. And so if you're hearing this constant 
hum, you, your body, even though you don't know it, you're in this constant state of alarm. One of the things I'm fascinated with is the the duality of our hearing, that we could be having a conversation with someone else and fully engage in that conversation. And yet we hear our name being mentioned halfway across the room and we hear it. And it gives me this impression that we are listening in more than one way and we're able to direct our listening while continuously having a base level of listening to everything else. And it seems our unconscious is processing auditory input just as much as our, our conscious brain. Is, is that is that true? Is that is that what yeah. happens? That's exactly right. And and so I'm so glad that you had already asked me about the, the efferent system because the efferent system is what what makes us learn to, for example, uh, res- respond to the sound of our name. Um, but then what happens is that over time, the efferent system is no longer active because it has learned. And the default pathway now is the new afferent system. So as soon as the sound hits the ear and goes into the brain, you just right away respond to your name because this is something that you have learned to do. It's automatic. It's unconscious. It's something you do again and again. It's like riding your bike, Hmm. you know, or running. I mean, you don't think about where you're putting every foot. You're, you know, you, you know how to do this. So a lot of it is unconscious, even though there is at the same time in the moment, oh, there's a puddle. And finally, uh, why are there some noises which we just can't stand? Uh, the screech of the violin strings that, that are so discordant in horror, horror movies, the, the the wail of a cat, the cry of a baby. Do, do we know, is there something about the qualities of those sounds that, that makes them unpleasant universally? Yeah. So first of all, it's not universally unpleasant because, so you know, th- th- there's, there's a dual answer. One is that... You know, some people will be really bothered by the chalk screech on the, on the chalkboard. Another person will not. So, so there is the, the individual person and there is the sound wave itself. And so, uh, you know, there, there is uh, such a thing that as, as consonant and dissonant and uh, consonant intervals, for example, are just they're uh, mathematically simpler and they're easier for the brain to process. Right. And when you look at dissonance, uh, you have just the, the acoustic input looks different. And, you know, there's wonderful, you know, distortion can be wonderful, but you have to learn to love it. And, you know, it, it, if you just present a distorted signal, it will not be as easily processed by the nervous system, um, again, depending on their experience. Well, the book um, explains how our brains process sound and how we perceive it. It also talks about the the importance and and, and vitality of music um, for brain health. It's called Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World. It's by Dr. Nina Kreis. Nina, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Can I tell you a secret? This is what the mobile phone networks do not want you to know. When you buy a mobile phone over their long and expensive contracts, you pay well above the odds. With Harvey Norman, you can buy the same phone, SIM-free, with no network contract, and save money. And here's the best bit. You can still spread your payments with tech credit without breaking the bank. Go SIM-free. Go Harvey Norman. Go! T's and C's apply. See hn.ie forward slash tech credit for more.